Welcome, y'all, to the Lone Star Lowdown, June 12th. This week, we've got ourselves a recap of the NBA Finals, preview of the NBA Draft, updates on the College World Series, Stanley Cup, U.S. Open, and, of course, some NFL rumors and news. I'm here with Corey Guidry, fresh out of Port Arthur, Texas, by way of Nederland, (laughs) and Ty Henderson, hometown boy, from South Austin by way of Wesley, a couple of Texas State graduates here. Um, I, of course, am Shay Holt, bringing this to you from the Horn Studio in Austin, Texas. Uh, be sure to look us up on LoneStarLowdown.com, LoneStarLD on Twitter, LoneStar underscore Lowdown at Instagram. Be sure to listen along at Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts, as well as all other podcast streaming platforms. All right, guys. Well, the NBA Finals just wrapped. A prediction of uh, Warriors and Six came true. Uh, what do y'all? What y'all think? Man, uh, kills me that Shea was right though. You know, but hey, I, I jumped out on a limb, take, taking the Boston Celtics. I felt good about it. I didn't do it just to be a contrarian. I felt good about it, but uh, they were not the better team. Indeed, the Warriors were the better team, and they deserved to win, rightfully so. Yeah, I mean the dynasties. The dynasty has lived on through. The years that we never thought it would. Uh, Draymond Green got all the shit talked to him in the world by Boston and really the rest of the media and and the league, and he came out on top as he usually does in the finals. Shay, what do you think? You know, I thought the Warriors were going to win this finals uh, from the start of the playoffs this year. Um, didn't surprise me too much that they were able to handle the Boston Celtics. Boston, I think, is a good young team. And it'll probably be a competitor out east for years to come, but I, I knew they didn't have what it takes to compete with the dynasty not at this point and um it was a very very unentertaining finals i was um at no point entertained really really the whole playoffs suck every game was a double digit uh victory margin i believe yeah and most of the playoffs were like that too the really only reason i i was heavily invested was because my team the dallas mavericks were in it up until the western conference finals but Really, some of the most of those games are either a blowout in our favor or a blowout in whoever we were playing's favor. Not really the most entertaining basketball, and I can see how a casual fan would kind of be turned off from this year's playoffs, this year's postseason. I'll always watch a game seven or an elimination game, you know, six or whatever. Uh, I thought the Mavericks probably were the Cinderella story of this playoffs and the most, you know, entertaining out there storyline to follow. Uh, but yeah, ultimately it was the same old story of pretty much barring injury, nobody being able to compete with the Warriors. Yeah, I mean injuries too played a big part for most teams in these playoffs. Boston probably wouldn't have even made it to the NBA Finals if it weren't for playing an injured uh, Brooklyn team that had probably played what twelve games healthy as in total this year. Then in the second round they had uh, they had. Milwaukee. The Bucks, who were without Chris Middleton for that entire series, and they almost lost that series. 
And then they had Miami, who was without Tyler Hero for most of that series as well, and they had other injuries. And Butler was hurt at portions yeah. of that series. I, we don't know how significant that injury was. And Boston themselves did work through a lot of injuries to the postseason, so it's credit to them. But they probably were the deepest team coming out of the East. Um, maybe not the most talented team, but I would say the deepest. And they ex- exceeded my expectations. I think they exceeded the whole league's expectations. They were at the All Star break. They weren't even. They were on the brink of even making the playoffs. They were tenth seed. Yeah. So and then they went on an absolute run in the second half. Oh, and hey, defense will get you there. And they yeah. played some fucking amazing defense they have the defensive player of the year you know yeah and really i think robert williams should have won defense he wins defensive player of the year in the playoffs this year if that was an award yeah uh, i thought their defense was impressive um if not in necessarily the finals but leading up to it for sure i mean they played uh some of the best players in the nba between you know kevin durant uh Giannis, and uh, jimmy butler those are you know all top ten players, undoubtedly. I don't know that anybody's going to argue against that. Uh, I would have taken the Brooklyn Nets to make it to the finals out of the East. I well, that was. I know we weren't doing the podcast yet, but that's who I would have picked. And uh, so when they got upset by the Celtics, I kind of had to run with them. You know, just that series of logic. Um, but yeah, very impressed by the Celtics squad. Very impressed at how they built this team. You know, there's a big lack of veteran leadership they didn't they didn't bring in any big name free agents i know you know al horford but he'd been there before exactly that's really he they brought him in for defense and he knew the system this wasn't a super team that was assembled they were it was a super team that was assembled through the draft yeah well yeah i don't even consider them a super team but they do have two bona fide stars and well, they drafted all their good players, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah Similar yeah. to the Warriors as well, other than Wiggins, really, on yeah, the team. Yeah, so let's get back to the Warriors. This is their fourth championship uh, with Steph, the Steph Curry's fourth cha- championship. Um, some are saying that injuries and maybe even Kevin Durant joining the team have kind of helped this dynasty along, and it's not the same as maybe a Michael Jordan Bulls dynasty in the uh, late 80s, early 90s or a Lakers dynasty or a Boston dynasty back in the day. Uh, do y'all think it lives up to that kind of like NBA pedigree? Or I do mean, you think it has KD and well, Kyrie I mean, getting injured that year, Kevin Love getting injured? Does does that have some merit in the in the argument? Well, I mean, it definitely helped them whenever they played the Cavs with just LeBron by himself, but obviously KD helped him as well. But, I mean, I don't really buy that when you compare him to the Lakers because they bought Shaq as well. It's not like they drafted him. Um so the Warriors last year um, was actually the most expensive North American team, and I'm not talking value. We're talking about how much money they paid to their players in the league. They paid 346 million dollars in combined salaries and luxury tax, and the only team who's ever in American sports paid more money would be the Dodgers this year, and they got got them barely by like 11 million. At, and, and there's no salary cap in baseball, so right? That's ridiculous. And uh, that was at 357 million. They pay, the Warriors played. Paid 170 million in luxury tax, and right now they got uh, Looney, Otto Porter Jr., and Gary Payton all at the end of their deals. Now we don't expect them to bring them back because if the, their projected cap hit or not cap, just money expenditure in total, if they brought them back, would be 500 million, which would be the first time any organization has ever spent that much on a roster. It's unlikely to happen because. Uh, 
the owner, Joe Lacob, kind of came out and said 400 M's is probably the cap for him. You know, if you're paying that much to a roster, you're probably expecting uh, championships, but they get championships. So, yeah, I mean, we could talk about who the Warriors are going to bring back, what y'all think their team's going to look like uh, next year. And Yeah. Um, so is Poole, he, is he? He's still under, under contract. contract yeah. So they he's, don't have to pay for him. He's on a rookie deal. Um, Wiggins I'm, is a max. Though. I'd expect them to bring Porter back. I think they probably have some mid-level exception money, and I don't think he'll go for more than seven or eight million on the open market. Um, I expect them to bring back Gary Payton. I think he's still a bargain on the open market, and he really embodies the culture that Steve Kerr and the rest of that team is looking for. I, d- I don't expect the team to be that different, honestly, except for the young talent that was injured this year and didn't get much playing time and James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're going to come back next year and be in relatively the same position they were this year and with a chance to win another NBA title. Oh, yeah, odds on favorite to win again next year, right? Have to be, unless there's no, unless a – really good super team gets assembled in the offseason, right? Yeah, especially if Lakob's willing to spend 400-plus million on his roster. Yeah. And, you know. and they might lose a few of these uh, role players, but they're going to retool. Players are going to want to go play with them to you know, pick up that end-of-the-career championship or play for it at least. And but the difference between them and some of these other teams that win championships with older rosters like the Lakers a few years ago who won in the bubble, um, they weren't able to retool because they – don't have any draft picks coming in every year and they don't have these young guys that they're developing they're counting on getting these bargain veterans and these two-way players that that might not even gotten contracts elsewhere in the league just because they're restricted from a salary cap standpoint the Warriors have four or five guys that would be on any NBA roster and they're actually like blue chip talent coming come in from the draft. Yeah, like Poole, Wiseman, Moody, those well, not, guys yeah, well, probably yeah, stepping up next year. Not even, like Poole, he's at the point where he I don't how old is he? What he's is still it? young. He's still on a rookie deal. So it's like he's making like four million next year. Still on yeah. a low deal. Yeah. So I, I expect them to maybe even have more growth going forward next year, be a better team. Oh, especially if a uh, Wiseman pans out. I mean he was a Second pick in the yeah, draft, second right? second pick in the draft. And I know they don't really play with big men in that lineup, but what could it be, you know? Yeah, he, he can shoot the ball, too. So Very athletic. He wouldn't restrict their ability to spread the floor. Um, but, yeah, let's go into – do you have any predictions for next year? Uh, maybe a, just a prediction on the finals matchup, team out of the East, team out of the West? Yeah, I'll go Houston Rockets, probably NBA <laughs> championship. Uh, retooling one of the youngest – no, I'm just, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, Who you got for real? Uh, out of the West, I think I would love to see what the Mavericks do. If they could just add a number two, I'm a huge Luka believer, man. Like, that yeah. guy, to me, is a top three player easily. Well, we'll talk about the Christian Wood trade that yeah. happened last week here in um, a second. But I like, that, I like that pick. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> and I ain't just saying that just to pat you on the back or nothing. I believe it. Um, but it depends, you know, they need another a number two option. So, if they add that, I'll pick them. I think the Warriors, though, would be the odds-on favorite and. For me, I'd say the Bucks probably come out the East. I think Giannis Bucks. is the best player in the world. And you got the is Warriors it, taking it off that matchup. I'll take the Bucks, even though we're so, this is so early on. But you know, let's have some fun with it, I guess. Shay. Yeah, I really like Corey's prediction. I I've already said I think the Warriors are the odds-on favorite. Um, I don't know if the Mavs. I think the Mavs maybe got a little bit further than they should have this season. Not that I thought they were a bad team, and not that I don't think they're getting better. 
just that the Western Conference Finals was was a lot for them this year. And maybe they'll be able to sustain that success, but most likely I see them making it to about the second round next year, and especially if they catch the Warriors early then possibly not getting back there. Um, but I don't know who else it would be out out west. Really, I don't. Uh, then besides the Warriors, and then um, in the Eastern Conference, I I like the Milwaukee Bucks. I I think the NBA would really like them to get and ha- you know have a have the last two champions play each other. Um, obviously, like the Heat. I think the Heat are a very good ball club, uh, and uh, so are the so are the Celtics. But um, not to be a copycat, but I'm I'm going Warriors Bucks. Okay. Um, and I'm taking the Warriors. Okay. Well, that's that's probably the odds on best pick, right? Yeah, I mean, unless the unless the Nets can get it together, but I don't, I don't, I doubt it, man. No faith in Boston to get back there at all. Uh, again, it's just uh, it's kind of like the way the Phoenix Suns got there with a pretty young squad. I know they had Chris Paul, but then you know their things came up and that that prevented them, and they got knocked off in what the first round, or second, the second, round. second round. But you know, a, definitely a disappointment coming off a 2-0 finals lead against the eventual Definitely. champion, you know, losing Definitely. in the second round. My pick uh, coming out of the West is one that probably not that many people are taking or even thinking about right now, but the Denver Nuggets, they were they're missing their second-best player all year this year in Jamal Murray. Uh, most of their roster was decimated by injury. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was out, I think, all the year, if not most of it. Uh, a lot of their role players got hurt too. I think Will Barton uh, was out most of the year, but Jokic back-to-back MVPs. He was able to put that team on his back and compete somewhat with the Warriors in the first round of this playoffs when no one really even thought the Warriors were, everyone knew they were dangerous, but that's the series where things really took off for them. I I think a retooled uh, Denver team that adds a few pieces in the free agency, maybe on the wings, to help defend, uh, could, could have a chance to make it to the finals next year. And then I have the Miami Heat coming out of the East. Uh, that culture is something not that you don't want to mess with. Um, Pat Riley's back as team president. Uh, they have probably the best coach in the league in Eric Spolster right now. Uh, Jimmy Butler. PJ, it looks like P.J. Tucker's on the free agency market. I'd, I'd like to see them them bring him back. I, I, just, I think their defense in the playoffs is something that people forget about. Um, leading up into it, and, and the Heat are—they play the best, the best defense in the league, in my opinion. And I've been seeing some reports that uh, Bradley Bill to the Heat. There's some, uh, yeah, there's some reports behind that. That's a possibility as well. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I don't think that's something that would happen uh, in the off season, but definitely before the trade line of that he finally wants to get out of there. I think he has a max deal on the table where he might have signed that last offseason. Do you know about that? I don't, but uh, I know that that it's would a, be a great fit for them if they could get him. It's a huge deal that he has potentially to sign with Washington if he hasn't already signed it. Um, but, yeah, we got anything else on the NBA playoffs or finals? Um, I mean, look, last thing we could just touch on, what do we think Boston needs to do? You know, we talked about the Warriors, okay, uh, yeah. how they're going to look next year. What do we think about Boston? Um, Can Tatum be a, a, the best player on a championship team? Like, I don't think the- so. He he was a no-show too many times in the, this entire postseason, and I think he had two two games in the finals under 15 points, which just isn't going to get it done uh, as your number one guy. Elimination game, too. So he had 13 in the yeah, elimination game. I think they need to get, sell high on Marcus Smart. Uh, get rid of him. He 
I know he's a, a big deal in that locker room, and uh, the, the city of Boston really embraces him for his physical nature and good defense. But he's getting paid like eighteen million dollars, which isn't bad. But he, offensively, he thinks he's a way better player than he is, and they need a they need a true point guard, a two way point guard in that in that um <clears throat> in that locker room and in that offense to I think get him to the next step. And I don't think that's going to happen this offseason. There's not really one out there. They acquired Derek White at the uh, deadline this year, and he had some moments in the postseason, but I don't think he's the answer either. Yeah, and also um, I like the the, the Marcus Smart point because um, just like when you're looking at who fits well with Tatum, he Marcus is not like a ball handler who's going to run the offense or do anything. Get people open. Yeah, like he's yeah. not. And when you have Tatum doing that, that's not his strong suit in my opinion. When, and in a lot of ways, Kyrie Irving was really a great fit with Jason Tatum if it wasn't, if you know, you just strictly look at the basketball side. Obviously, yeah. with him, there's a lot more than just the basketball side. But uh, yeah, I, th- I definitely agree with that. I don't think they'll get rid of him, though, just because he's such a culture guy, fan friendly Boston kind of guy. Yeah, I think Boston needs to improve. The young players just, you know, getting better. But also, Boston's a major market in the NBA, the most storied franchise in the whole sport. They can bring somebody in. I'm talking about a big name, and I think that's what it's going to take to get them over the hump. Yeah, I don't know who it could be. I agree with that, too. I don't think there's a very big uh, point guard market in this year's free agency, but I I haven't taken a deep dive into it. Uh, but, yeah, let's move on. Christian Wood was traded to the, from the Houston Rockets to the Dallas Mavericks uh, earlier this week or last week. Uh, basically, the Mavericks traded a – bag of bums and this year's 26th pick in the NBA draft for Christian Wood uh, who had a great year on a terrible team in Houston and clearly they were looking to move on uh, what do y'all think about the assets as Rocket fans that y'all acquired or just the trade in general well the Mavericks made it to the Western Conference Finals and those might have been the worst four players on the Mavericks squad. Not but... one minute played by any of those players. <laughs> the playoffs... Let's go over the let's go over the players real quick. So we traded Boban Marjanovic, who big man. Boban. Well he is voted he was voted the uh, most likable player in the NBA. Good locker room guy, gonna sell some jerseys. Christian yeah. Wood would be the opposite of that. I could see y'all not even keeping him though, honestly. I could see him making his way back to Dallas. But Let's move on. Uh, next player was Sterling Brown. Uh, played college at SMU. Uh, he is on this year. Next, this next coming season will be on the second year of a six million dollar deal. So another cheap guy. I think it was a salary throw in. He didn't play at all in the playoffs. Really, it was a disappointment for the Mavs this year. He was on the championships Bucks team the year before as just a pure shooter kind of guy. Uh, I don't see him getting any playing time on the Rockets. And then they traded Trey Burke, who. Out of the four players, probably has has a chance to actually make a, the biggest impact on the floor, in my opinion. He's can score in spurts. Um, and then the fourth player is Marquise Chris, who we brought in uh, midway through the year this year. He played on a few ten day contracts. Uh, he was on the Warriors the year previous uh, the previous year, uh, and he had knee surgery last week leading up until the trade. So it looks like he'll need some timeout. And then, of course, y'all acquired the 26th overall pick, which really isn't anything either in my mind. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we would use that 26th pick to, you know, move up like one slot in the draft. You know, you package it with that three and move up to two or something. You know, basically you just have to give it away. 
Um, I don't know what our plans are. Maybe we can get another good role player deep in the draft, maybe a European. We'll talk draft later. But um, overall, Christian Wood, we got him for nothing. Um, He was pretty good for some terrible squads. I mean, there was a second there where – we had James Harden still, and Christian Wood it was like, oh, this might be something. And then the bottom fell out, and he probably didn't want to be around for that. And eventually he would have just left and, you know, uh, salary dump move, whatever you want to call it. But we got something for him, and we didn't just let him walk. And I think that's a big thing in the NBA is uh, retaining some value, even if it doesn't look very good on paper. I think also they really wanted to – clear playing time for you know this number three pick which in all likelihood is going to be like a big forward kind of player so yeah and from a Mavs point of view I'm excited to see what he can do in the pick and roll uh with Luca, which is pretty much 95 percent of our offense and he is definitely an upgrade at center over Dwight Powell who was pretty much unplayable in the playoffs uh went from averaging 26 minutes during the regular season per game to 13 in the playoffs uh yeah, I'm I'm excited. I know he's had uh questionable character. Character or maybe just uh you know no just re- likableness. Yeah, it seems like no one really likes him in locker rooms, but the Mavs usually have a pretty good culture and a pretty good locker room. J Kid seems like he's uh pretty liked coach in Dallas. So I'm excited to see. It's a definitely an upgrade after last offseason not really doing much with the roster and over like Shay said earlier, um over exceeding what I expected, at least from a fan's point of, or fans' standpoint, this year in the in the postseason, and he really came into his own in Houston, man. So I'm excited to see what he can do on a competing ball club. Yeah, because so, before know. that he was on the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, languishing. Yeah. It's probably uh your adi- It's probably hard to keep a good attitude when you're on like two of the worst teams in the league over the last three yeah. years. So yeah. and he got a little bit of money. So he's also on a contract year this year. So he should play. A little bit harder on defense, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, moving into the NBA draft, it's happening this Thursday, 7 o'clock. Uh, the Orlando Magic hold the number one pick. Uh, right now, the odds are shifting for Powell Banchero to be selected number one. Uh, earlier this week, his odds were to be selected number one, uh, six plus 1,600, and then eight hours later moved down to plus 800, and then three hours later moved down to plus 400. Uh as so he's trending up. He's trending up, and usually we get a pretty good idea before these days before the draft of what's going to happen. Uh, do y'all do y'all think he's going to go number one, or what's any got, y'all got any predictions for the top five? I think it's going to be Jabari Smith. He's still the favorite in Vegas's eyes. Uh, minus one thirty is what I got here. Um, it's going to be different wherever you look, but uh, you know he's a young kid, only nineteen years old. Um, great shooting form. You know, really a modern kind of player on the wing. Uh, they already got. Big guys with Mo Bamba. They don't really need, like, a Chet Holmgren. Um, so, yeah, I think Bancaro would be a great pick for them, too. Um, ESPN, I was watching Sports Center. I don't know how much credence you can give to it, but they did say that uh, there was a report that uh, the Magic really liked Jabari Smith. Obviously, they don't really need to use smoke screens since they have the number one pick and have the pick of, you know, the well, litter. Well, but, what I'm thinking is they could be putting out smoke screens because maybe – Oklahoma City or Houston that hold the two and three picks might want Jabari Smith and might be willing to trade up with Orlando and have to pay a heavier price because they know they're interested. I don't know if the, our 26th pick will get it done, but I would do it. But you might have to if, put it like a Kevin, <laughs> say Houston wanted that one pick. Would you trade the three pick and maybe a Kevin Porter Jr. for that one pick? 
I mean, is it guaranteed that Jabari is that much better than who you're going to get at three? I don't know. Well, it's just it's coming from your scout. What you're, what you're hearing inside your building, the scouts, what yeah. they have to say, what the coaches want, what the owner wants. If they believe he's better than not, it's probably a good decision. But I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see any trades in the top three. I think it's probably just going to sit and they're going to pick the players off the board as they come. Yeah, well, I think the most likely trade will come from Sacramento at four. Um, just because the talent drop-off from the top three prospects to that fourth pick uh, is kind of large this year. And Sacramento, <laughs> I honestly don't think they have enough faith in their own ability to pick players, and they would rather just get a um, you know mid-level star uh, out of that pick. The Kings are always drafting at four or five, man. They're uh, never, never won anything. <laughs> Bagley was like one of their last top picks. Well, he was, yeah, he was two that year, and Luca Doncic and Trey uh, Young. Young went the picks after him. Yeah, um, the Kings are just a garbage fire, man. Uh, or dumpster fire is the term. Um, yeah, I could see if the Magic knew exactly how the draft was going to go. Like, let's say they knew no matter what. Chet Holmgren was going to the Thunder, and in reality, they wanted Paulo Banchero. And early on, I saw nothing but Paulo going first. Like, as soon as the uh, lottery came out, yeah. I, all I saw was Paulo, and I was pretty sure we were getting Jabari Smith. When I say we, I mean the Rockets. That's who I want. So then when I started seeing him trending up as the first pick, uh, I was worried because I don't and the Paulo guy, I'm, he, he's good, too. I actually got to see a lot more of him playing at Duke than I did Smith at Auburn. But uh, I don't know. I could see them, even if it wasn't for much, like maybe if it was just for a 26 pick and maybe a future pick, for instance, you know, swapping with the Rockets and knowing they were still going to get their guy if, you know, if – they if Bancaro is their guy. Yeah, you know? and they yeah. knew they could get him at three, and by dropping down and knowing nobody else was going to jump in Orlando's shoes because they definitely wanted Holmgren, if they just could control the draft like that and they had the information, I could see him making a move if it was all very calculated. That being said, it's all just blind hope that somehow Jabari Smith makes it to the Rockets and that we don't get Chet Holmgren. That's the player I do not yeah. want. Yeah, And it's, it's kind of vain. I don't really have anything against him for all I know he's the next Kevin Durant that's just getting overlooked but uh I don't know man uh 195 and I've seen 185 and seven feet tall just a real thin guy and I don't know if you can put on the weight to play in the NBA man I know he's explosive and he's you know got a shot it's a defensive potential I think teams are seeing he got a, he blocked a lot of shots in college I know that he's very skilled and he hasn't been injured before in his career like it's not like you know he played every game at Gonzaga well, he's never played in the NBA yeah it's a completely different game very physical you know? league right oh yeah. well, it's more it's still more <laughs> physical than prep ball or yeah college for sure for sure just pure size difference, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, do y'all got any uh, – so let's go around the table. Give me one sleeper and one bust from this draft class. Okay, I've got a uh, sleeper. Uh, Ochai Ogbaji out, out of Kansas. Yep. Uh, I see him on just this whatever draft I'm looking at, mock draft, going 18 to the Bulls, totally out of nowhere. But – you know, so a mid-first-round guy. Dude averaged like 30 points a game at Kansas on a national championship-winning squad. Um, His I, age, I think, is the is was, the question there. He is a senior, and, uh, you know, Kansas will do that to you. They'll, they'll keep you around, and, yeah, you'll be the best player on a really good team your junior and senior year. But um, And this guy did get shut down by the Longhorns uh, late in the season. But uh, 
either way, I think uh, I think he could be a really uh, good scorer in the NBA at the shooting guard position. For a sleeper, I got one. Uh, I'm trying to find him on the ESPN top list. I'm, he's going to be far down there, but he's Mr. Kenneth Lofton Jr. out of Louisiana Tech. This is a second-round guy here. He's uh, from Port Arthur, Texas. That's how I know him. Saw so him play in high school. Uh, he played on the 19U um, Olympic or USA team with Holmgren and all those guys. Or I don't know if Holmgren was on that one specifically. I know he played on the 18U, but, you know, all the big guys. Uh, and he won, He actually won MVP. He's very skilled, but he's just small. He's like 6'7", but he's like 250. He's a big boy. But he's more of like a big with a – he's got good po- – he's very skilled. Like his post moves, he's going to hit you with the Hakeem. He's a, you know, a pesky defender. He's a real try-hard kind of guy. Um, if you're looking for like a role player, I could see a really good team picking him up somewhere in the second round, like a Warriors or someone like that, to just give them valuable minutes and valuable scoring off the bench. Um, he can shoot a little bit. He hit threes. He played very well in the uh, NBA Combine scrimmages. Um, he's kind of the talk of that. His uh, stock definitely rose a bit, but he's certainly a late first round, second round kind of guy. But, you know, just keep your eye out for him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he became a uh, 10-year NBA vet kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, My guy's kind of the same, uh, under the same kind of umbrella of – Unknown prospects, a little un- undersized. Not unknown, but undersized for sure. Uh, EJ Liddell from Ohio State University uh, coming out after his junior year. Uh, he averaged 19 points a game this year, uh, 2.5 blocks per game, and eight rebounds. Uh, he's got a three-point shot at him. He's six seven, like which is, like I said, a little undersized for the forward position uh, in the NBA. But his ability to extend the floor with his three-point shot, which I think will get even better as time goes on because he'll, he'll, he'll see a niche uh, that needs to be filled there. But uh, he's a guy that's going to be co- be able to come in. And honestly, I think a comparison for him would be like Draymond Green. If the Warriors could get him and have Draymond you know, mold him into the role he needs to play, I, I think he would be a real, real good get for a contender. Also a bit of an older guy, right? A junior? Yeah. Um, y- y'all got a bust? Who's going to say Holmgren? Who's uh, going to go on record? I mean, I already thought I kind of did that. Yeah, well, sh- do, you, do you have another bust? or is, is No, Holmgren but your I think, think Jaden Ivey's got a really good chance of being the best player in this draft. Just everything I've seen about him, the, the kid, at the sophomore out of Purdue. Uh, I know that's not a bust, but I just I felt like he needed to be mentioned in the podcast. I think uh, especially those guys who are just a little bit farther down, that top tier that everybody's fighting over, just yeah. this dude that maybe has a little chip on his shoulder, stayed an extra year in college. Yeah. Uh, first of all, he weighs more than Chet Holmgren, eight inches shorter than the guy. Okay? I mean... Uh, I, there's just that right there. Like that's all I would ever need to see to choose him over Holmgren. But uh, yeah, I think he might be good. I would. I wouldn't be unhappy. I wouldn't. I would be happy if we got him at three and just call it a day. Okay. Well, Shay's bust. Chet Holmgren. Uh, Corey, you got one. Man, I mean, out of the top, I really like the top three guys. I mean, um, it doesn't have to be uh, one of the. It's a top fifteen guy. Top fifteen. You don't guy. think it's gonna work out? Um, let's see. Do you have one? Give me a little bit. Buy me a little time here. Yeah, sure. Mine is Banchero. Actually, I boo. He doesn't play any defense. Uh, there was times this year where he was iced out in the Duke offense. I don't think. I don't think it's gonna translate well to the NBA. His wingspan is, I think, is same as his listed height. We were looking at earlier. Yep. Um, but yeah, if he gets stuck in somewhere like. 
Orlando or even though Oklahoma City has had has success with their drafting in the past, I don't think he's going to work out one of those smaller markets. I think he needs to be on a team where he can be the seventh, eighth, ninth guy off the bench, pure scorer. Um, I don't think he'll be, ever make big waves in the NBA. Yeah, when you have Corey? Yeah, I mean, I'll go with Benedict. Uh, I'm not sure how to say this last name. He's the Arizona guy. If you watched him, Moth, M-A-T-H-U-R-I-N. Let's call him Mothman. Yeah, close enough. Uh, you know, he when you watched him play, man, he was dunking from, he was just leaping through the air, highlight reel dunks. He's 6'6", 210, um, small forward, kind of a slasher guy. I don't know if the skills are there. He's he's ranked at, the, at as the eighth player here. Um, he's been mocked to the Pelicans a lot, which is a, Pelicans is a team I kind of keep an eye on uh, close to where I grew up. Um, I would be pretty upset if they took him just because I'm not a big fan of just like old school six foot six, just kind of like run and dunk. And yeah, you know, if you can play defense, that's great. But they already have guys like Herb Jones to uh, defend on the perimeter. So um, you need a shot in today's NBA. Yeah, you need to sh- you need to shoot. And if you're not not shooting well from the perimeter, um, you got to have something to hang your hat on, and it can't just be run and dunk. So. All right, so that's our NBA talk on the show. Uh, I guess that's our last like NBA segment of real in-season talk for until next year. It'll be all off-season, and we'll recap the draft next week. Well, yeah, we know we know the NBA off-season is a crazy one. Uh, but yeah, in our next segment, we will be talking U.S. Open, a little Live Golf Tour, and uh, later in the show, we'll give you a College World Series recap and a little NFL news. This is the Lone Star Lowdown, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Lone Star Lowdown. I'm Ty Henderson, Shea Holt, Corey Gidry. There we go. All right. We're talking a little uh, U.S. Open and Live Golf Tour on this segment. Uh, but first, make sure to follow our Instagram at Lone Star underscore Lowdown, our Twitter at Lone Star LD, and make sure to visit our website, LoneStarLowdown.com, to see any of our previously recorded podcasts and any incoming Articles. Articles, blog. Uh, we have some bloggers that will uh, be contributing soon in, in addition to all of us. And learn a little bit about all of us. We'll have our bios up there soon. Oh, yeah, and some merch coming soon, too. Oh, yeah. Stickers are in production. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, but getting into the U.S. Open uh, that happened this previous weekend, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, the winner from England, uh, he... Shot two under in in the final day, round four, and six under total to win the U.S. Open. Uh, Will Zalatoris got second or tied for second with Scotty Scheffler. They both shot five under. Uh, Zalatoris shot one under on the final day, and Scotty Scheffler shot three under uh, in round four, but came up short. Uh, did y'all watch any of the the golf tournament this weekend? I got a little bit just because it was on uh, major broadcasting, so I saw a little bit here and there. But um, I was I was much more focused on. Yeah, the World you Series. would hate it actually because on I think every day besides the last day, you have to switch the channel like three or four times to even watch it. Like 
continuously if you want to watch the entire US Open from first tee time to the final shot you have to switch between like Peacock, NBC, um there's like another one or USA Network. It's 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 weird. And they're following different golf golfer groups. Yeah, there's and different I'm talking the main feed, you know. If you have I think on ESPN Plus you can follow featured groups or certain holes. I know you can do that for the Masters. I don't know if you could do it for the US Open. Um but on their web US Open on their website if you ever want to watch any of these major tournaments, they usually have a free stream that of some sort that you can get some some time viewing in. yeah i heard a, a lot of complaining too that like of you know the way the broadcast was shot like a lot of shots important shots approach shots that just like weren't being used uh there there's a lot of complaining about the time between actual golf shots that they were airing like yeah it was like a huge wait instead of like panning to a different group or something there's a lot I of did complaining notice that. I, saw. I didn't um, i didn't see that on twitter or anything but i did notice that i mean that you're definitely going to see that if you're watching like a feature group or anything because you're only watching three two or two to four guys yeah. take shots so there's a lot of filler time in between that um but yeah it was a, it was a really exciting tournament it came down to the last few holes between Zalatoris and uh Fitzpatrick, who did y'all did y'all see? He has braces. How old is he? He's like he young buck? twenty-eight. Or mm. He's he's young. Or he might be a little bit younger than that. Couldn't but, afford Invisalign. Come on now. No, he's just got like the bottom ones. He's still a PGA Tour player, bro. Of no, course he can't. So, so the U.S. Open this year took place at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, where and it's it's also where uh, Fitzpatrick played the U.S. Amateur Championship in 2013, which he also won. So he was familiar with the course. Uh, it's his first major win and his first PGA Tour win. So starting off pretty hot with with arguably the hardest major in the U.S. Open. Yeah, and also about Scheffler, man, um, you know, local Longhorn, man, he is he's still playing very well, obviously he came up short, but anytime you're finishing, you know, top three in these major tournaments, you know you're playing well. He's still holding on to that number one spot in the world, I believe. So uh, he, he's clearly playing like the best golfer in the world at this point. I mean, I expect him to hole out every single time from the fairway at this point. He's playing incredible golf. He's playing way better than I think anybody really ever expected him to. He's His career is, is right. His potential is rising every weekend. Like yeah. people are doing, seeing him and do, seeing him do things that not many other guys on the tour can do. Um, earlier in the tournament, Royal Ma- Roy McIlroy made some noise, which he usually does. Uh, what he has been in the past few weeks, I think he won the tournament beforehand. Um, but yeah, it was a good tournament. We, I think, we're gonna get into a little live golf tour now. I, I don't think we can not talk the two since really leading up to the throughout the whole weekend, there were still questions about the tour, even though they didn't have an event this weekend. But coming off London last week. And Charles Schwartzel, former former Masters champion, winning the tournament, winning the four million dollar first place first place prize. Um, I think we just wanted to kind of run through it and give our viewers uh, or listeners a better idea of how it actually works. First off, so you mentioned that uh, Fitzpatrick, this was the U.S. Open, that was his first PGA victory. Win. Yeah. So does that and and uh, you know, there's I'm not a golf aficionado, but uh, so. From what I understood, golfers involved in Live could still compete in the Masters, the U.S. Open, those majors. Right. Any any All tournament majors. that um, isn't affiliated with the U.S. No, the PGA uh, the US, Tour. 
it's the PGA tour, the PGA tour. Um, but there's some like the U S open where Phil Mickelson won last year. So he has like a five year exemption to where he doesn't even have to, cause most of these guys have to qualify through other tour events or other tournaments. More so what I'm asking is it, it so it does count as a PGA win though, basically for Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess for the other guys, they could still win a PGA yeah, spot. Yeah. I, I'm just more asking about the uh, overall structure of how golf works because I'm a novice. But uh, now I'm going to explain to you how this live golf tour works. <laughs> it's only it's only one weekend, and uh, they're playing um, in Portland, Portland, Oregon, or Portland, Maine. Portland, Oregon. Okay, yeah. Next weekend, or well, the 30th through the second. So you know, the uh, July 4th weekend prior. I guess you know however many days that is. Um, so it's, yeah, but, uh, teams of four and there's a, there's a draft. Yeah. So there's like a, there's an individual champion of every event, but there's also a team, uh, element to it. Yeah. So I can get the team aspect of it. Uh, before each of the events, they're basically going to designate 12 captains. Um, those players will then draft three teammates each, just like you would in a fantasy football league in a snake format. So, the number one pick will also have the 24th pick, snake format. I'm sure anyone who's played fantasy football is familiar with how that goes. Uh, new teams will be selected each week before the tournament, but only the best two scores from the four players from each team count for the first two rounds, if that makes sense. Uh, the best three scores will be used during the final round. So yeah. if, you're, if you're not in the top two of your team, they just take the top two of the team, which counts then for – your team's but placement. every everybody in the entire field in the tournament gets paid out, which is really the big difference between right the live tour and what the PGA is structured on. Because you can you can pay all this money to get yourself to a tournament, say the Valero Open in San Antonio. You play the first two days, you don't make the cut, and the you weekend, lose money, and you lose money. Yeah, a lot of tour players are not rich by any means. Like the lower levels, they're they're you know sleeping from. A- kind of crappier hotels yeah, you yeah. know and that's why i think that this live tour even though the we don't even have to get into where the money's coming from i just want to talk about in a pure entertainment and standpoint what it's doing for the sport of golf um they're they're getting a lot of these young guys coming out of college that would have to join the corn Ferry tour which is below the pga tour one of these smaller tours that don't pay as much money and they would have to earn their keep to get to the pga um, and these guys are getting offered a million dollars to play, and there's a guy out of Oklahoma State, I think he was the top college golfer, won a national champion, the individual national championship this year. He got like a million, a million and a half just to play last weekend in London. Yeah, and how do you pass that up? And another thing is, you know, when you look at some of the biggest rich golfers, guys who actually make a lot of money, like the Tigers of the world, the Phil Mickelsons of the world, you know, they really only play majors in a handful of PGA Tour tournaments anyway. So... Like, once these guys make it big, they're not playing, you know, obviously, like, the Valero Open in San Antonio, like, it's hit or miss whether, you know, there's going to be some guys who aren't going to play that, the bigger guys. So, really, as a golf fan, how much is it really going to change? I know there's some, you know, hardcore PGA lifers, you know, traditional kind of fans. But if Tiger left, it would be over. Yeah, but he's not going to leave because he's got a... Brooks Kepka, let's bring up that news. Brooks Kepka left today, and to your point, what you were just saying, he's always hurt or something's going he on. He doesn't play in a lot of those PGA he, events he, and anyway. He, and it's kind of well-known he doesn't really even give a shit about golf. He's just out there for the majors and, you know, to get some money, get some 
get some airtime. I think sponsorships. A, I think a bit of that is like a it's a it's, it's a, a little self deprecation to like kind of make it look like oh I didn't try and I just won the yeah. Masters. You but know for a I mean? guy that's hurt and is not a lot and not getting as much as many appearances to be in this new tour where you're getting an upfront contract, I think he got over a hundred million dollars or at least a hundred million dollars. Nine figs just up front. And then you're getting appearance fees every two weeks. And you could still play in the majors. Which is huge. Yeah. So I I really, I like the idea of this. I I wish it was more, I wish it was easier to watch. Um, They don't have a TV deal or anything. So you got to go to their website or their stream on YouTube to to watch it. But I mean, I watched the highlights um, from last week. It was was interesting watching, uh, you know, like Sergio Garcia, a PGA, PGA Tour winner, uh, take a shot and then watching a guy that looks like he's 16 take a shot and it looks like it's, you know, just a high school kid out there, but they're all playing for the same prize. Yeah, and I'll just say it, man. I don't watch a lot of golf, but it seems like every golfer I know besides Tiger Woods has already joined the Live Golf Tour. Like, uh, it, it seems like, to me at least, it's already the bigger tour. I know that in reality it isn't yet, but they're on their second weekend, going into their second weekend, and it's just they they've come in like gangbusters, They're getting a lot of traction, and it's all anybody can talk about. And golf's just been so archaic with its PGA Tour for so long, and I know there's so much tradition uh, stooped around the sport, but yeah, coming in hot is this LIV Tour, and uh, it's it's much more interesting to me the you know the I guess casual to non-golfer fan uh to just you know be hearing about hearing people talk about something pertaining to golf other than tiger woods is having some parody is nice exactly i think it's great for the game i think it's probably enhanced the popularity of just golf like people are more interested in what's going on and uh even when you look at tiger woods career earnings 70 to 80 percent of that is sponsorships it's all about the endorsements in golf. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously he signed like a well, huge deal with you're Nike. You're technically an independent contractor. You are in it, yeah. Golf operates apparently it's like the, it's as like a the WWE. It's or like the WWE. And the UFC, which I don't know if too many people watch, but yeah. yeah. But I, I, the issue, the difference between something like the WWE and the PGA Tour is the WWE has a no, or a, a no, uh, no compete clause to where – they couldn't like if you sign a deal with WWE, you can't join the AE. Well, AEW. I guess the tour does too because you can't. They're not letting people play both sides. Well, yeah, they just kick you off. Yeah, they ban you. You know, yeah. would, or give you a suspension. For whatever. right now, they're acting like they're going to have the power to just ban all these badass golfers, <laughs> and they'll never be able to come back. Like that power they're wielding right now because they think they're a you know they are golf and they are. It's been a monopoly until this point. Yeah, it's true. All right, well, I think that does it for uh, a little golf talk, a little live, a little U.S. Open talk on this week's episode. Uh, Next, we'll be talking a little college baseball. Sad, sad times for the Texas Longhorns uh, this weekend. Uh, But make sure to follow us uh, on our Instagram at Lone Star underscore Lowdown, our Twitter at Lone Star LD, and uh, check out our website, LoneStarLowdown.com. Uh, where we'll have all of our episodes posted and some blog posts coming up soon. Also, you can listen to this episode on Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any other major plot podcast platform. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Lone Star Lowdown. 
And we're back with the Lone Star Lowdown. This is Shay Holt, and I just want to remind you, whatever you're listening to this on, please like or subscribe. Uh, really help us out in our growing endeavor here to bring you the best sports news in all the land weekly. Remember, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast. And remember to check our website out at LoneStarLowdown.com, Instagram LoneStar underscore Lowdown, and Twitter at Lone Star LD. Anyway, let's jump into some College World Series news. And uh, it was a rough one for the Longhorns, going 2-Q. and Q. Lost to Notre Dame in the opening game, and then uh, just a tough loss to the dreaded Aggies, man. It was uh, bad. It was bad. Yeah, and it was a beatdown. It wasn't, it wasn't anything to be proud of. We got sent home, and... Um, I'll just come out and say it, man. We didn't show up ready to play. It'll be a big emotional comeback series against East Carolina the weekend prior. They did not look ready to play on uh, Friday or Sunday, man. Uh, the Pete hit, Hansen. Pete Hansen had another poor start, let up a solo shot in the first to Notre Dame. Two worst starts of the year back-to-back. Yep, and then uh, – Lucas Gordon, you know, it wasn't the the train hadn't come off the tracks quite yet, but they pulled him in what was that the second inning? It was early. It he, was so he, early, man. He had like 60 65 pitches, but but I think there were maybe two runs scored, maybe some men on base. I forget exactly where because I could not believe we were taking out our day two starter that early. We had already burned Tristan Stevens the night before uh, in relief in a losing effort. And, I mean, man, the one thing the Horns could not do all year was, uh, was relief pitching. Uh, and to think we were just going to piecemeal six-plus innings out of our staff I thought it was a ludicrous coaching uh, coaching move, and uh, ultimately what what lost us what lost the game against A and M. I mean, the runs just kept mounting up. Ivan Melendez really couldn't get going. Murphy Staley just swinging at first pitches and knocking fly balls to center fielders and whatnot, man. And there was some poor poor defense as well. All of our flaws were were really exposed. What did y'all think? Well, in the first game against Notre Dame, it, it just felt like single after single, get double, driving in two runs every inning. Like Even when we got something going, there was no finishing attitude to it. We could get two guys on base. Uh, in the second day, when Ivan Melendez had bases loaded and struck out swinging. We had more than 10 men left stranded on base against A&M. We just could not bring runners home. I don't know if we were just expecting the long ball to get us there, but... An absolute failure with runners in scoring. And I position. never expected that to be the issue. From the, uh, the bats were never a problem. I foresee happening. This know? this was the greatest uh, hitting team in the history of Texas baseball. Uh, they absolutely crushed the home run record. The average was through the roof. Uh, I, I've never seen hitters of this caliber in this quantity on a Texas baseball squad. And uh, I just feel like it was a lot of squandered talent, man. A lot of squandered talent. Yeah, man. Uh, just a sad Texas fan, you know. This has been the last decade plus for us, hasn't it? 
if the Aggies win, I, I'm I'm going to be rooting for the Sooners. So yeah, hard. I do not want the Aggies to win. Uh, I don't know. Yesterday or last episode, uh, Shay had a quote and he said David Pierce sucks, and I just that just might be true, right? Like I don't know. Well, like, the pitching coach got fired. He was the sacrificial lamb. I mean, Sean Allen. A lot of the a lot of the donors I'm hearing are calling for everyone to be fired. I mean, like it was just a is underwhelming performance. They underperformed on the biggest stage against you know the arch rival. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know where they go from here. I don't know if you'll see. Them looking for a new coach. I know they had Troy Tulowitzki, uh, former MLB player on the staff, but uh, he's getting looked at, at, at for the USC job right now. Um, you know, so I don't they know where we go they from can't here. Fire Pierce, but he, me and Shay were talking about it before the show. Skip Johnson, uh, the OEU manager, our former pitching coach, is having tremendous success since he's left and took the job with our arch rivals. And he's playing his game, Ty. Yeah, small ball. 140-plus steals yeah. this season. That's what we used to be. That was He's playing Augie ball, you know. Uh, we, you, How many years? He was there till Augie died, right? And then did he stay I'd with Pierce look, at all? I or? think he might have jumped ship right as all that was going down and, and the ship was really sinking with Augie. I'd have to go back and look uh, to be certain about it. I, f- I feel like he might have been there – a year with Pierce, though I could be completely wrong about that. But, I would have, I'd have to check. Okay, well we can update y'all on that in here in a second. But uh, yeah, the rest of the College World Series, um, Ole Miss, the bats have come alive or stayed alive for them. They crushed Arkansas last night. Uh, who'd they play in their first game? Stanford? No. Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, the SEC. I mean, really has its footprint on this tournament so far. Oklahoma, they're hotter than ever. Um, they're really making a point. They should have had a regional at this point. I think we can all recognize that. Uh, won the Big 12 tournament. I haven't looked back since. Uh, A&M's going to have to win two games. Or are they they're, they both 2-0? A&M's going to have to beat Oklahoma twice. Okay. Oh, you only needs one. But one of those teams will be represented in the College World Series finer. Final, uh, either Oklahoma or Texas A&M. And right now, Auburn and Arkansas are playing, and Arkansas is up 9-0, so we're looking like Ole Miss, Arkansas in the other half? Yep, with Ole Miss being in the catbird seat. Yeah, well, uh, I didn't. I picked Arkansas and Texas, so the Omahogs are still trucking, but I think, Shay, you had Stanford and Texas. Two in Qs, baby. Yeah, Stanford did not show up at all. Um I would have loved to have the Bobcats there. Yeah, of, um, I think we could put up a better performance than seventeen to two. I don't know. Yeah, uh, get our guy Stivers on the mound. Let him shred a little bit. If I'm being honest, the my interest in this tournament has died watching my team lose and my not even put my up a two fight, though, least man. favorite teams colleges on on this planet succeed the way they have. But I'm going to be rooting for OU to beat that Aggie ass this week, man. We didn't even put up a fight. That's like the most disappointing thing I would, for me. And game one was very reminiscent of last year against Mississippi State. They had that Bednark guy. Or yeah. Be- Ber- Bernard. I think Bednark was the guy for the uh, Irish this season. Either way, both B-name starting pitchers and real good uh, quality frontline starters uh, just didn't look like we showed up. And then, you know, you thought, oh, well, we did this last year. We're comfortable. We're going to at least – you know, 
win some games, challenge uh, these other t- squads, but it just didn't happen like that. And the the pitching change early on in that game, I thought was an admission of defeat. Man, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't reconcile that we would do that so early in a ball game, and and think that our relief pitching could could hold them at all. Really wish we had Tanner Whip. That's really where the season. I know we we turned things around after that midseason riff, but when he got hurt and we had to shuffle pitching to the spit, we had to get, throw Stevens back in the bullpen. Lucas Gordon had ended up being the day two starter after throwing like 30, 30, under thirty innings as a freshman the year before. Uh, I just no consistency out of the bullpen whatsoever. I I do think next year will be uh will be a lot better from a pitching perspective just because those guys are so young. And I'm sure I don't know. Do you know anything about baseball recruiting? It just depends. We have some really good recruits signed, or you know, I guess signed isn't the right word, but committed. But it just depends on how this draft's going to go in a couple months, and where they get where they get sent, and how high they go. Uh, really good pitcher out of South Texas. His name escapes me right now, but he's a stud, and is you know he he's committed to coming to Texas. Uh, but you know we always that's that's always the story here at UT. We always have a player or two going in the first round of the MLB draft that never makes it here, and that'll determine it. Yeah. So, uh, we got any predictions? Any new predictions from uh, the field that's currently out there for the finals? Wrap things up for the segment. You know, I know this isn't the best Ole Miss squad, but uh, I'm give a shout out to the to the Rebels, man, and. Uh, I'm putting my money on them. I'm hoping they win, and I think they can catch lightning in a bottle this season. And nobody really had them going to the World Series or winning it coming in, but they're looking they're looking sharp. And you know, I hate to just take the two teams in the best position, but it's looking like Ole Miss, Oklahoma, and uh, yeah, I know Oklahoma's got some star power, but uh, I'm gonna ride with the Rebels. I'm gonna go with Oklahoma coming out of that side. Uh, they're the hottest team right now. Um, out of the other side, I'm going to stick with the the Omaha Hogs coming out. Uh, I think they'll be able to knock Ole Miss off two games uh, this week. Uh, but as a win- for for the winning team, uh, it's, I'm sad to say, but I will pick the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, I don't I don't think anyone can compete with them at this point. Um, and I know all my family up in Dallas is gonna is gonna eat me alive for that take, but. I think they're the best team left. Yeah, and for me, you know, as long as the Aggies don't uh, win it all, I'll be pretty happy with the result. Um, I'd like to keep their national championships across the three major sports at that, you know, goose egg that they have now. Let's go ahead and <laughs> let's go ahead and keep that how it is. Um, That's what I'm most worried about. Let's be yeah, honest here. Um, as long as OU takes care, I think they will. And uh, I like the Hogs too. I mean, they're just explosive on offense. I mean, I think they had a 20 plus run game this year. They've had multiple multiple 17 run games hey uh, auburn just hit a home run they're only down eight in the bottom of the seven yeah it's round. nine one bottom seven um so yeah um, as long as the aggies don't get it done you know i'll be all right with the outcome i hear those auburn players are shitting their guts out <laughs> that's the only thing i've heard coming out of the auburn ball club really like like sick yeah i heard that you know they were sick when they knocked off stanford the other night and the coach even had like a really funny quote we had to <laughs> maybe we didn't even get that audio but he said something about you know yeah just uh some bad food or yeah what? I'll, I'll throw that in if we can if we can find multiple it. players 
Well, that wraps it up for college baseball. We're going to move on to some NFL talk. But first up, we have the fastest lap with Cody Allen. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight for the fastest lap with Cody Allen. We're a little bit off the cuff. We're racing at Nashville Motor Speedway this weekend. Um, after a 10-year hiatus, we came back in 2021 to race with NASCAR's huge initiative to bring fans back into the sport. Um, we love to see it. We should be racing here between 158 to 160 miles an hour. Beautiful NASCAR racing. Um, take a look. Um, look out for Chase Elliott out there leading the points going into this race a couple of mortal walks i have going into it personally um are kyle larson in the five car and Ch- Ch- uh, ross chastain in the one keeping a lookout for them and of course daniel suarez um if you were to call me last week i did choose him to win the race first at 195 attempts not gonna brag about it too much but he got it done keep an eye on him out there this weekend Otherwise, uh, we have Road to America next week. Tune in to the Lone Star Lowdown. Welcome back to the show from LoneStarLowdown.com. Make sure y'all, whatever platform you're choosing to listen to this uh, podcast on, make sure you hit that like button and follow us. We're really trying to, you know, push this out and uh, help us grow, man. We really appreciate it. So in this segment of the show, we're going to get into some NFL talk. We have the second retirement of Rob Gronkowski's career. We'll see if that will actually last. We're going to talk some Deshaun Watson uh, in his legal case, have some updates with that. Ryan Fitzpatrick also Retired this year. He signed a deal with Amazon to be a part of their commentating team. And then at the end, we're going to get into some Dallas Cowboys news and uh, talking points. But first, uh, let's talk about Gronk. Uh, officially retired. Well, you know, he's done this before and came back. Uh, me personally, I believe like it actually could be the, f- the finality of possibly the greatest tight end of all time. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about uh, this recent news? Well, I do think he is the greatest tight end of all time. He did play with the greatest quarterback of all time, but they were a Batman and Robin uh, his entire career. Brady, before he got there, he had you know the Randy Moss days. Um, he had a handful of decent targets his whole career. Oh, Wesley Welker too. Shout out yeah, to that guy. yeah, yeah. But he didn't have the physical specimen that Gronk was. He really changed the tight end position forever in the league. Uh, the tandem that they started out with, with him and Andrew Hernandez, really... Aaron Hernandez. Aaron, it's all good. Yeah, you know. How could I forget? <laughs> how, could I, how could I forget Aaron Hernandez? Uh, but, you know, it really changed how some teams look at the uh, tight end position in the league. It really changed things from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, tight ends became far more important. Um, scoring more. Gronk had... 96 touchdowns in his career. He had uh, not over 9,000 receiving yards, over 600 receptions, and he never he played a full year, what, twice in his career, Shay? 
Yeah, I think it was uh, two to three, at most three times, but it was two early early on seasons, his rookie year and his second year. I think he played in all games. 2020 as well. And then, yeah, a little bit later on, which, in that, yeah, 2020, so that wasn't the 17-game season. But, uh, yeah, always always had injuries, still put up numbers. I'm going to – and until very recently, I would have agreed that he was the best tight end of all time. I've kind of come back from that standpoint. I think – he was the most dominant tight end of all time, and I think that's that's unquestionable. But uh, you know, I gotta look at some of those dudes with the longevity. I'm talking about Tony Gonzalez, Jason Witten. I gotta give them something. Uh, there's something to that playing at a high level for a very long time, which Gronkowski has done, but he's had the injuries. But he played at the highest level. For whenever he was on the field, it was there was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. He was playing at the highest level we possibly have ever seen from tight end. Most dominant tight end I've, I've ever seen, certainly, and probably the most dominant of all time. Let me ask you, do you think his career stands up with Travis Kelsey or what George Kittle's career might be when, he's, when his is all said and done? Travis Kelsey's career stats are a lot more impressive than Kittle's, uh, but Kelsey is going to, as long as he keeps playing, his numbers are going to look on paper – like the best ever. He might not be. It, 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 he is very dominant. He's always open. Uh, he does play with another great quarterback. Uh, pro, you know, possibly the best one of this next generation coming out of the Brady Manning era. Um, but it, it, he just racks up the yardage and the touchdowns and does it consistently without any gaps. So when you look at that stat sheet, it's going to look real filled out. Yeah. Um, by the end of Kelsey's career, he should surpass Gronk in about every statistical category. He has the single-season record for yards by a tight end. But, yeah, Gronkowski, man, he was super fun to watch. You know, I grew up watching him. Uh, it's going to be sad to see him go. I really liked him. You know, he's a likable guy. Seems like a kind of guy you want to hang out on a boat with, maybe have a beer or two, you know. You either really like him or you think he's a douchebag. There's yeah. no in-between, I don't feel. I feel like most people I'm in TV, those commercials, the USAA but uh, <clears throat> commercials with him – being like, oh, can I get a membership? They're like, no, Gronk, you gotta be in. He's you gotta be in in the service. And he's like, well, uh, I'm I am a patriot. And like, yeah, <laughs> he I just think he plays the. Dun- I mean, I don't think he's that dumb, but he's definitely a, a teddy bear kind of guy. I feel like you need to lighten up a bit if you got some problems with Gronk. Like, what has he ever done but just kind of be a jolly old guy and kick your okay. team's ass? Let's on not the field. forget the guy has four Super Bowls too. Yeah. Kelsey One, might have, he didn't play in to be fair. He was injured, but Kelsey might have better stats at the end of the day, but will he have four Super Bowls? I'll tell you what, if Gronkowski had caught that ball at the end of that one Super Bowl, I believe against the was it against the Giants or the Eagles? The one that kind of fell. Yeah, yeah, the, oh, the Hail Mary. Yeah. Had he no one that talks ball, about that. Had that he was caught close. that ball, that would have just been that would have been his moment, uh, you know, the moment of a lifetime. That would have been the biggest fucking catch in Super Bowl ever, history. Ever, you know, yeah. That would have upended the David Tyree catch. Um, not that it would have been more impressive, just that the, the stakes. Yeah, but, there's um, never been a Hail Mary like that in, in the Super Bowl. No, but um, that's the one moment I can think of when Gronk didn't come through, even though oh, that oh, wasn't even a pass you know, to it's him. An, another funny one uh, was that Week 17 against Miami, down in Miami, when uh, the, the hook and lateral – all the way down the field, and they and had Gronk, they had Gronk in at safety. That he takes, abysmal angle he, he takes took. takes the like <laughs> he takes an angle like he's trying to track down like a Pop Warner kid at a camp, like terrible. And then you just see him go, oh, oh, and Kenyon Drake, I think it was, scores a touchdown. Of course, Brady always had his troubles with 
I think uh, that was a Fitz Magic led team, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. But Brady always had his troubles down in Miami late in the year, no matter how bad those Miami teams were. But I kind of want to talk about that too, real quick. Now that we're talking about the NFL, um, the whole Tom Brady, Sean Payton, like collusion to find their way, both find their ways down to Miami for Tom Brady to be a player and in part owner of the team, and I think kind of the same situation for Sean Payton. We it's come out that this was actually very close to ca- happening from Tom Brady himself. Do you, do you do you foresee any future players making any moves like this? Maybe Aaron Rodgers trying to be a part owner of the the Packers, or I don't I don't think they, I they don't, can do that with the Packers. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is uh, people like him enough to unlike Tom yeah, Brady. Yeah, I, to I give know. Him, but I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I think the big holdup with that is uh, just the contracts. You know, Sean Payton is under contract with the Saints. Well, they both retired for this to happen. Right, but you and then, can't, as a player, if you retire, it doesn't void the rest of your contract. I know, you just have to get paid off or traded. Yeah. So, so if he retires and he's like, I'm unretiring for this to happen or I'm going to stay retired, the team really wouldn't have a choice. They're like, oh, but to trade let him. him stay retired or receive some assets for him. Think about it. You don't think the Bucks would take a first-round pick for a 45-year-old Tom Brady being if he was just really just like, hey, yeah. I won y'all a Super Bowl. If that I have this dope, dope situation down in Miami where I can play a few more years and have a stake in ownership, and I get to play with Sean Payton, I'm, I don't think they'd let that happen. I think the Saints were probably like, we're not trading him unless you give well, us like the, a first or the a whole, second. The Brian Flores thing is the reason this didn't happen. That's exactly the the rumor I heard. I mean, I'm not. That's that's the only reason it didn't happen from what I from my sources. Yeah, and I I mean I don't blame obviously. So the what's the whole allegation with him? It, it it wasn't he wasn't getting jobs based off race after that happened, or he was fired. Based Not off just race. him though. He's like the lawsuit is basically all. Black yeah, coaches, I know there's a few uh, coaches that have joined in yeah. on the lawsuit. The argument is that they don't get the same. Like, well, well, uh, I think the lawsuit leash. happened because of the Bill Belichick thing, where he accidentally texted uh, Brian Flores. That he got the job. Yeah, because uh, Brian Dable got yeah. Brian Dable got the do- job. <laughs> Belichick texted the wrong and he's Brian. Like, he's, he was like. <laughs> Might be wrong number. Like, <laughs> I didn't know about that. You didn't hear about this? Okay, so Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores, um, like, "Congratulations, Brian! Like, you deserve you deserve the job." Like, but it was it was before Brian Flores had even interviewed because he was also interviewing for the job. So they were like, "Oh, well, he was like, oh, I'm just getting interviewed because I'm black." And there's the, the Rooney I, rule. The Rooney rule where you have to. Um, interview a minority coach for any position well brian flores is or was the head coach of the dolphins yeah and, and the they whole went on a big winning streak at the end of the year won like nine or ten games in a row but then they fired him and i think that was part of his like well they, he, there. he he got fired um there was a big riff like supposedly he wasn't even talking to his assistant coaches and shit like that the GM the, and the, him too. the owner, owner had had offered him like a hundred thousand dollars a game to lose and I don't think he was up with that program. That's a part of the and lawsuit as well. Who was it in, in Cleveland? Somebody in Cleveland Hugh, said the same Hugh thing. Jackson, Hugh, Jackson, yeah. Hugh Jackson said that, but I think he's just kind of be, trying to be like, I'm not that bad. I mean, he won, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he but, won two games in two years yeah, or one. But I, I don't put it as much merit in Hugh Jackson's word as I do Brian Flores. Well, uh, but yeah, I mean, we got a little off the rails with that there, but I, I thought that was worth mentioning because mentioning how, how crazy, crazy of a situation that would have been. Oh yeah, and especially with how odd it seemed when Brady retired. No, just it definitely stepping f- away from the game. Well, it's because he didn't say anything himself. It was fucking Schefter 
who was broke everything out, and I think Brady had a had a plan of how he was going to roll this this his plan for going to Miami. You know, he was going to roll it out, but obviously it didn't work out. But who knows? You know, we who would have thought Tom Brady would still be playing and playing for the Bucks year three? Yeah, no, I never thought I'd see him in a different uniform besides the Patriots. Uh, but moving on, what do we got next, boys? Little Deshaun Watson uh, update. Let me give oh, yeah. that real quick. So uh, today, I got it right. You in front got of it. Me. You got yeah, it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Uh, so Deshaun Watson has settled out of court. So we can all kind of pick up what that means. Uh, with twenty out of the twenty-four cases have been settled. So I guess there's four more to go. I'm not a legal expert. Hey, by there any was means. twenty-five total. One one got dropped by the. the she didn't want to put her name out there. Understandable. Yeah. So um, who knows how that impacts uh, possible suspensions coming up. Um, I guess we'll we'll figure that out here soon before the year starts. They're going to have to make a decision on that. But uh, so yeah, I'm here in a year. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, full year. I got Calvin Ridley got suspended a year for a fifteen hundred dollar bet. That's he was betting on on the NFL. That's very strictly a no no. Yeah, I don't think he was betting. He wasn't betting like on on the Falcons though. He was betting like he like was in like Tennessee where it's legal and just didn't realize. Well, that was whenever he. I think it was more of he was too stupid to realize I can't just download FanDuel and start placing yeah. some bets on my off. Week. That was after he you know quit for the rest of the year because he was a bit sad and whatnot. But uh, yeah, that's kind of getting off reasons. Getting off track a bit. Uh, what do y'all think about the whole Deshaun thing? Uh, yeah, just what do we think about this in general? And uh, should we expect a year for him to sit out a year? I, I'm thinking a year. Um, he'll be lucky if he ever plays again. I've never seen the NFL act so passively towards someone someone like this when allegations are happening, but it's never been a quarterback like this. Last time we've seen this is Michael Vick with the whole dogfighting situation, which there was concrete evidence in front of us. Well, he actually that. went to jail for that. Yeah, so. I mean, do you, we're, not gonna, we're not going to get into if he should go to jail or whatever, <laughs> but... He clearly did something wrong, and we it's been over a year, and we still haven't seen the NFL have any legitimate action put forth. Mm-hmm. I think the truth will come out, but he did. What was the deal with this last year of not playing? Was it just simply that was a mutual decision? Okay, him and the, he still got paid. There was no commissioner's list, commissioner's exempt lift crap. Okay, no, he just no. didn't show that up. Sta- but was still that on started the out like before he even the lawsuit the news of all these lawsuits came out he was has stated i want to trade i'm not playing for the texans this year and they mutually agreed like okay we'll agree to trade you and it just lasted so long because of the allegations basically right that could have been part of the reason why he yeah. wanted out I as think well they, he kind of left a blaze yeah, of trail through the Houston area probably it, didn't want to it was pretty like simultaneous the two happening so i'm sure they did have some impact on each other anyway it'll be an interesting thing to watch up in cleveland um, but we talked about it last week. Let's bounce to the next subject. Okay. Uh, Nadama Kong Su? Let's get the Fitzpatrick first. Fitzpatrick going to Amazon? Yeah, so Ryan Fitzpatrick got hired as an analyst for Amazon after retiring this year. He, of course, was hurt last year. It was signed to be the starting quarterback of the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders. Uh, never really got to see the field much for that first game when he hurt his hip, but I'm excited to see him uh, in the booth. He He's a pretty eccentric guy. Uh, smart guy went to Harvard. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to see 
what Amazon's got really this first real year of them having some coverage. Yeah, I wonder how hype he's gonna get. I, I would, I wish they'd let him just broadcast with his shirt off, man, like he was up in the Bills Mafia yeah. stands. Think him know, and just, him and Pat McAfee together, would dude, be having an electric a party. Him, that would pa- be amazing. Him, Pat McAfee, and Akib Talib together. That'd be Akib. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's part of a larger effort for Amazon to you know reorganize the broadcasting of NFL games. Uh, we're gonna see a lot of changes here in the future as the grip. CBS, Fox, NBC have on uh, the co- you know have on broadcasting ESPN rights. as well. Uh, ESPN with Monday Night Football uh, as that starts to slip, and I know coming down the pipe, there's a new uh, television contract in the works, and um, so you know yeah, getting some big names, uh, exciting guy, smart guy, guy who's been around a lot of football clubs uh, to come in and just kind of help pick that cast up and you know bring in some viewers. I think is great for Amazon and. Uh, I don't know. Would you have to be a Prime member to watch that? Uh, I'm not sure. They they had a few games this year, maybe the year before that. I think like th- I think they're doing Thursday nights, right? Yeah, I think them, uh, Amazon and and Yahoo have both kind of dipped their Yahoo. Yeah, they both dipped their foot in the water as far as being well. First of all, if you go to, if you have Yahoo Sports app on your phone, you can watch whatever games are broadcasted in your local market on your cell phone. Really? Yeah, this is a good tip. Any, like, you know, everybody should have that app during football season because no matter where you are, as long as it's in your market, all the Cowboys games, as long as it's not like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think even made Monday Night Football, it'll just be on that app. It's awesome. But enough of that. Uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, I'm glad he's making the move to the booth. It's a very similar move that a lot of ex-quarterbacks are making, and I think that, you know, he finally got out of football and he probably got somebody's job, uh, you know, coming down the lane. You know what I mean? He's like, probably making more money than he would even playing. Dude, totally. He he was getting every year like one because he only signed one or two year deals five he, mil and he, no 10, I'm, mil? ten million minimum somebody always needed him backup quarterbacks there's not many good ones in the league and he was a guy that you knew could come in and would probably push your starter in training camp and then if he went down he'd come in and he could had had the ability to win you a game he had been a starter in Buffalo for years before he started his you know walk of diff- different going to different teams and and competing. The Fitz Magic days. I think yeah. it was about twelve or different teams he played on throughout his career. Yeah, it's a lot. crazy. Uh, uh, but yeah, I know Shea wanted to talk a little Ndamukong Sue. Oh, I was just going to mention that he's a free agent and looking to come back. Uh, I think he's about thirty-three years old, getting up there, but he's still had a productive year last year with the Buccaneers. About six sacks, seven tackles for a loss, played in every game, and that was uh, alongside Vita Vea, who was really more the nose guard of that defense. Um, but he says he's not coming back to the Bucks, or at least it doesn't look likely. He, I hear either the uh, Minnesota Vikings or the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think he'd be a great fit on the Raiders, who just added Chandler Jones to play with Max Crosby. I think all three of them together could be a real dominant uh, pass-rushing force um, in you know the AFC West where everybody is loading up on talent on the defensive line. All right, hell yeah. Uh Want to get us into some Cowboys questions for this week? Yeah, um, we can start. You know, we t- we talked about that old coach uh, from New Orleans, from the boot, a little bit earlier in the segment. Uh, obviously, there was rumors with Miami, but it's literally since Sean Payton has left the Dallas Cowboys, he's been rumored to be a head coaching candidate that Jerry Jones would absolutely love to hire. And I think he doesn't even try to keep that a secret that he would love to hire Sean Payton. So uh, Mike McCarthy, you know, gets a lot of criticism in the media and things like that. So I'll just pose this question to you guys. Uh, if 
Sean Payton was, in fact, the coach for the 2022 Dallas Cowboys. How much of a difference would that actually make in the football team? You know, same players, same roster, but just what kind of difference do you think a guy like Sean Payton would make compared to, you know, Fat Mike? <laughs> well, Coach Mike, man, uh, in my eyes, it would it would make all the difference. The Cowboys have been missing a competent head coach pretty much since I've been watching them. Jimmy Johnson, maybe? Well, even Bill Parcells, legendary coach, uh, he didn't ever do anything in in Dallas. All he did was find Sean Romo. Payton. Of course, is a is a Bill Parcells disciple. Uh, he was the OC back in those days, and ever since he's left Dallas, he's never really looked back since. He's been in New Orleans, which is a smaller market. He's won a Super Bowl in New Orleans. He's coached one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Back coming off a catastrophic leg leg injury, injury leads Drew Brees. Brings him back into an offense. Wasn't and, it? It was a shoulder, though, right? Oh, was it shoulder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he tore his ACL earlier in his career. I think in high school, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Shout out to Drew. He's a tough guy, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, this guy, he, even last year with Jameis Winston going down and having to put out Ian Book, Trevor Simeon, these guys that should not be on the field playing quarterback, he was able to, able to make something of it, and the Saints weren't, as shitty as people would have thought with their starting quarterback going down and coming off a year with arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time leading. Um, they're I, close to making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if he came right into there. Dallas, I I like Kellen Moore. I think he's gone a little stale. He's getting a little, gotten a little too comfortable in, in his position that he's in. And I think there's a reason why he hasn't been hired as a head coach in the league. I mean, he is young. But throw Sean Payton in there, give him all those weapons that the Dallas Cowboys offense does have. I think he'd be able to make much better work um, and be way more successful. And man, what I'm what I'm seeing is that there would no longer be an excuse for Dallas Cowboy fans. Facts. Like it would just everything would be right out there for you to see as far as if they add Sean Payton. It might even scare Jerry Jones in a sense because he's the general manager. That, you know, bringing in a top five coach in the NFL, who Sean Payton was, you know, until he retired. Now maybe we don't count him that, but the the absolute best possible guy on the market. And there's a lot of upset Cowboys fans already with Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, we've already talked about how his head might be on the chopping block. And yeah, uh, it would just, it would be one or two years of Sean Payton. And then if it didn't work out, I'm talking immediate playoff success. I'm talking going to the Super Bowl. Then there might have to be some drastic changes. And I'm talking, you know, moving on from Prescott, even maybe finding out if he's the man instead of just, you know, we got about eight more years of Prescott, no problem. And that's just going to be all right. If we get there, we get there, which is what I kind of feel the Cowboys are doing right now. So it would it, bringing in Peyton would just be a, a reckoning. It would raise the stakes. Else. Exactly. Even more. Exactly. There would no longer be an excuse. Well, I wouldn't have an issue with that. Corey, got anything else in the Cowboys? No, nah, man. I, I mean, I agree. Um, I'd question whether it's ever going to happen. I know it's fun talking points, but it seems like just about every, especially during the Jason Garrett era, that 10-year-long era that was just way too long, uh, it seemed like by year five of his tenure you know we were screaming for Sean Payton uh I don't know if it'll ever happen and um, I agree with you guys there definitely would not be any excuses I don't really like excuses in general I mean Mike McCarthy did 
you know, win a Super Bowl. He had one of the greatest quarterbacks of this era, um, which Prescott is not, even though I'm a huge Dak fan. Um, yeah, you know, but if you look at, you know, where we came up short in the playoff game, it, I mean, 14, 14 penalties. Coaching. You know, just the way they use personnel, you know, it's just a head-scratcher sometimes. So uh, I would love to see it. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed, and who knows, maybe it'll happen. Well, that does it for our NFL talk. Uh, let's fit in a little NHL here at the end of the show. Uh, Tampa Bay pulled off a big win last night. Was it 6-2? to two? I believe so. To put the series at 2-1 to one in the Colorado Avalanche's favor. Uh, it's been a real up-and-down series, a real offensive series. Yeah, uh, game one was a shootout, overtime win for the, for the Avalanche. For the Avalanche. And then game two, blowout. 7 nothing. Vasilevsky the uh, Lightning goalie really did not show up, and he, he's been a great, great goalie for them all postseason. But, hey, came back game game three in Tampa, uh, heart of a champion. It still beats, man. Uh, I still got the Lightning winning this series. I'm feeling good after last night. What about y'all? Yeah, with uh, another game in Tampa Bay, as long as they can hold serve and you know make this the best of three series, I'm still liking my bet of Tampa Bay in seven. I picked the Avalanche um, just because, you know. We're, start, we're starting to see a trend here with you picking a, picking against us, Corey. You know, maybe you are just teaming up against me. Maybe that's what that hey, is. Hey, well, we've been right. You, you know, I don't well, know, I think we don't have right. a large sample space. Yeah. <laughs> I have one series so Yo, far. Sorry, uh, sorry. Shea yeah. picked the right games, but. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Go ahead. I just prefer to watch the Avalanche. I am an absolute noob when it comes to hockey, you know. But uh, the Avalanche, they, pay, they play fast-paced, a lot of shots on goal, whereas – the Lightning are more traditional, so even though in this series it's been pretty high scoring. Uh, yeah, I mean, I picked the Avalanche, um, and I'll stick with that. That's about all I got. All right, cool. Well, that does it for this rendition of the Lone Star Lowdown. Uh, make sure to check out our website, the Lone Star. Sorry, it's LoneStarLowdown.com. No, the. Uh, we'll have some blog posts up this week. You can access any of our social media accounts from there including our Twitter, which is at Lone Star LD, our Instagram, Lone Star underscore Lowdown. Uh, we got any more socials when we plug, Corey? You're either our socials guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much covered. We're going to probably start posting on TikTok here soon, at the Lone Star Lowdown. You know, we'll see. Uh, we're more focused on, like, the other platforms, like the Twitters of the world. So, But, yeah, definitely follow us um, on all those platforms. Uh, and if you're, you know, listening, comment on whatever platform yeah, you're listening SoundCloud, on. Let Spotify. us know what you want us to talk about, questions. You know, we're more than happy to, you know, answer any questions anyone has or address any topics that uh, you'd like to hear. We'll also have some merch dropping on our website soon. I know we got some stickers. I'm sure, I don't know if we'll be selling those, but if anybody wants one, wants one we're more than willing to give them out. Uh, that I think that does it for, uh, Ty, I'm Ty Henderson. I'm Shay Holt. Corey Guidry. And I want to thank Cody Allen for coming on earlier oh, yeah. with the fastest lap. The fastest lap, our, the newest addition to the uh, Lone Star Lowdown family. Uh, yeah, and if y'all ever, if you got anything you think you can add to the show, feel free to contact us and uh, tell us tell us what you think you can bring to the show. Also, if you feel like you have anything you can write about, we're always accepting uh, blog posts, blog entries, and uh, people to come help us out. We'll get you published. All right, well, that does it for the Lone Star Lowdown. Hey, Ross, sauce it up. I'm afraid of being average. 
and I'm rattling it every day. I'm stuck in a loop, round and round we go. Everybody say, You really playing and get zoos? I scream for more. She won't get us cool. I adore the over, I prefer Italian suits. Bloody girls with big boots. Is it Moulin Rouge? Don't talk too smooth, really not in the mood To be straight into just anything Two sips, two slips, I we lock eyes Sometimes I bring you the moon tonight Something by the way that you move